0: following podcast contains adult materials such as swearing and mathematics. We'll let you decide which is scarier. Moreover, we of course know everything about the presenter mathematics, but if you think we've made a mistake, think of it as an application of Cunningham's Law. The best way to get the right answer on the internet is to post the wrong one. That's our excuse, and we're sticking with it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Maths at the Movies, where, simply put, we're two post-docs and a princess <laughs> who try to critique movies with a mathematical bent.
1: Okay, uh, okay, okay. I'm, okay, okay, taking, no, 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 I'm not taking princess. I, I'm not taking bloody postdoc. I haven't been a post in years. Hold
0: on, hold on. Are you postdoctoral? Yes. How about this one? Okay, you didn't like that one. Quantifiers and a queen. I upgrade you to a queen. Hang
2: on. Which one of us the queen? <laughs>
0: okay. Two rationalists and a rose.
1: (laughs) Okay, I mean, mine is still pretty lame.
0: (laughs) They are. Two scientists and a senorita.
1: (laughs) Okay, is is there a reason that we're making all of mine feminine? What about two postdocs and a professional?
0: Oh. Okay, right. Let's do that again, then. (laughs) (laughs) I'm keeping this all in. (laughs) Welcome to Maths where we're two postdocs and a professional, where we try to critic movies with a mathematical <laughs> bent. I'm your co-host Thomas Woolley, and joining me now and forevermore is the poignant <laughs> Ben Parker and the prickly Liz. How are you?
2: Hello. <laughs> I'm feeling distinctly non-prickly today, Thomas. <laughs> Pungent, I think. Pungent. But this is the beauty of radio; you can't smell me.
1: I've had a really mathsy week.
0: Oh. Tell us, tell us. Excellent. You, you appear to have more Massy Weeks than we do, to be honest.
1: Last time we watched the movie Pie. Oh, yes. yes. And after I watched the movie Pie, Pie followed me around. My sister had a new baby.
2: Oh, congratulations.
0: Okay. Was the baby called Max Cohen? <laughs> the
1: baby doesn't have a name yet.
2: Oh, really? Oh, um, maybe we should suggest some mathematical names.
1: Pythagoras. Wait, wait is, it, is it a boy or a girl? It's a boy.
0: Okay, so Gauss. Definitely Gauss. Or Alan, Alan Turing, all one word. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, my first maths question of the week... Yes? Hold on, we haven't gone to the film I know, well, yet. I'm you're sorry, but zone. I had a very messy week. My nephew was born on my sister's birthday. What are the chances? Oh,
0: blimey. Okay, you're one out of 365.
1: Is that all? I thought it might be more interesting than Uh, that. Ben,
0: you're the statistician round here. Well, probably one over
2: 365 and a quarter. Oh, okay, fine. Well, yes. But, I mean, if you assume all days are equally likely, which they're not...
0: We wish they're not, because there's more b- people born in September because nine months earlier, Christmas. This
2: is the co- this is like the common question, isn't it? It's like, well, hey, look, two people share the same birthday. That's amazing, um, and people think the chances. Well,
0: not any two people. It's just, you know you can do the whole birthday problem if you yeah. can explain that.
2: That's but fun, um, uh, you know the chances that she, uh, your sister, has the same day as your uh, nephew is just one in three sixty five. There's nothing special about the day your sister yeah. was born. Um,
1: what about if I told you my sister was born on a Friday?
2: Ah! Oh. <laughs> ben
0: already screwed that up last time. He's <laughs> okay. got to an appendix We're not going to. We into won't that. go
1: into that. But no, um, uh, let's
0: talk about the birthday oh. paradox because that is quite fun. Do you do you know about no, this? No, never
1: case? heard of it.
2: Oh, okay.
0: So it's um, if you have a room with twenty-three or more people, you have uh, at least a fifty percent chance that two of them, any uh, two of them, will share a birthday. You're not saying which two, you're just saying two of them have, you know, will share a birthday with more than 50% chance.
1: And how do you work that out?
0: Um, The the big thing is, it's all about the combinations. You know, if you're saying who shares a birthday with me, that's very specific. You know, you're looking at them for one out of 365. But when you've got 23 people, this guy could share it with any of the other 22. This guy could share it with any of the 22. And so it, you've got a combinatorial explosion in terms of how many people could share with any other.
1: I had a combinatorial explosion last night, but the less said about that, the better. <laughs> oh
2: dear. Would you
0: have a nice curry or something? Yeah. I don't know
2: what that means. <laughs> we've, we've lowered the tone already, I think. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Oh, we can't
0: lower it anymore. <laughs>
2: uh, but I mean, the, but the basic thing is coincidences happen more often than you think. I
0: mean, wasn't it a Terry Pratchett line that, you know, one out of a hundred shots happen nine out of ten times? (laughs) Absolutely,
2: yeah. Uh, He also had the line that if something happens one in a million times and it's bound to happen, it's an absolute certainty. If it's exactly one in a million. Yeah. I mean, at times we've coined
0: Sod's law. You know, that's that's the thing. But the, the way it's explained is, you know, any single thing is very unlikely. But the amount of things that are unlikely is huge. So any one of those things happening that's unlikely... Well that's just co that is the name of coincidence.
1: So when yeah. I was little
0: Oh we're gonna learn more about you. I always love it when we learn more about you.
1: When I used to think of scenarios in my life like I don't know, exam results or something. Or some boy asking me out. Ooh. I used to <laughs> I used to not purposely not imagine the one that I wanted to happen. Because I thought the chances of that thing happening, given there was an infinite number of outcomes that could happen must be basically zero because the chances of that Whoa. one thing happening, of all the things I'd imagined, must be one right. over infinity, which is zero. So
2: if you imagined fewer things than something that you didn't imagine was more likely to happen? Yeah. Your mind is a wonderful place. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way that by thinking about things as well, you think you can change events. I mean... It's like quantum
0: mechanics by... Measuring it, you change it. Anyway, 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 can I, I? I do actually want to have a chat with you, Liz. Ooh. Okay, you're turning the woolly women against me. <laughs> I mean, that wo- can't be true. <laughs> the woolly women. <laughs> the woolly women. So, oh my just god, released,
1: i just realised uh, the rain's
0: not imaginary. She's women. knitted. <laughs> <laughs> during the Man Who Knew Infinity, you said, as you would call it, the man who knew much too much about pie, which I put on the Facebook, and I thought it was very funny. My mother rings me up. And says you're making fun of Stop it! So, Does she wig you
2: every two weeks? <laughs>
1: she said this. She sounds like a very sensible woman.
0: She's actually down. My, my parents are here today, and um, they actually. So what? The movie we're doing this week is Moneyball, and we all watched it. We all did. So uh, yes, shall we go to the movies? Oh
1: wait, no. I've got a. I've got a little bit more of my mathsy week. Oh please do, please do. Um, please. So after we watched the movie Pie, and my yes. sister had her baby.
2: <laughs> were well, these two directly related? <laughs>
1: Well, no, <laughs> yeah. so, kind of. So, I went down to look after my niece while my sister was having her baby. Because it was my sister's birthday, I went to get her a present. And I was going to get her some perfume. And there was a perfume called Pi. What? It's by Gucci. I know, it's called Pi, like the Greek letter. That's a real thing. It's for people who want to smell like mathematicians, I suppose. How bizarre. Anyway. How bizarre. So, I was like, ooh, is following me around. And then um, I was looking after my niece while my sister had my nephew. And um, my niece woke up in the middle of the night screaming, as babies do. As they do. I turned around, picked up my phone. It was 3.14. No! Yeah. You do know what this is. This is called bader
0: mind hop, barter
1: hops. Is it? <laughs> right. Okay.
0: So all, all it means is bader mind hop syndrome is once you learn about something, you start seeing it more. Ooh. And what you what you'll notice now, what you'll notice now is the word Bardaminhop syndrome will start appearing in your life because now you Can you
2: around. get ointment for it?
0: <laughs> uh, there, is, there are there are treatments right. nowadays. Okay, good. That's know, good. So. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, and with all those pyricenses, shall we go to the movie zone? The
2: movie Yay! zone! The movie zone. So,
1: this week we watched Moneyball.
0: Yes, yes. A, an interesting so choice.
1: We Yeah, well, hmm. was it though, or was it quite a boring choice? (laughs) Um, So, um, the film is about a Billy Bean who is played by Brad Pitt. Um, And Brad Pitt is the general manager of the Oakland A's, the Oakland Athletic.
0: Yeah, the Oakland A's, yeah.
1: So, um, he was a baseball prodigy in his youth. He has a much smaller budget than all the other baseball teams. So, he finds an economist uh who is called cool, Peter Brand yep Peter Brand thinks he has a method to pick a baseball team based on economics basically so he builds an algorithm and it's successful they do really well and then lots of people sort of look out of windows for a while and then it's the end <laughs> <laughs>
2: Brilliant. Um, well, you mean, a- yeah,
1: there,
0: there was a lot of that, wasn't there?
1: Oh, I mean, they it was <laughs> two hours, 15 minutes, and I could have told it in an hour and 15. So here are
0: my thoughts. Here are my thoughts here. There was some strange parts that did extend the running length beyond what it would needed to be. I mean, the, the subplot with the daughter, oh. did that
1: go anywhere? Did I well, miss- what was the point in that? I mean... Think it was to make him more likable and to make us care about him a bit more. Okay, maybe, maybe.
2: maybe Did you watch maybe. the deleted scenes, by the way?
1: No, no, no. I
2: watched it on Amazon because so no, I uh, didn't. Brad Pitt has a second wife, which they totally edited out. For the they, they edited. The yes, people. no. I read that in the facts. Yes, yes, I watched it, and she was totally boring. So I can understand why they. <laughs> <laughs> it was a totally boring scene, or, with
1: or the... all the really boring men that were in there as well. That
2: that was it.
0: Yes. No. That this was it because it started off with a lot of dick swinging <laughs> all right you know it was a lot of men sitting around a table going well i've got 20 years of experience he's only got 19 and i know more than him but less than him cuz he's got 23 years of experience oh, guys. he's got 20
2: oh you know, look, look yeah, i think but no no
0: what well, no but no, well, what i say is that's what how it started
2: yes but
0: then i start to like it more but oh. what i think it was missing what, for me what it missed was just a sort of a basic rules
2: of baseball. Oh, now, you see, this is a very Anglo-centric view of the world. What you have to remember is that baseball is something our American cousins play, Okay, It is essentially American... (laughs) We we call it rounders. Yes, it's American rounders. um, And it's essentially like cricket, but with none of the urgency about it. (laughs) Okay. So, wait, wait, wait.
0: Cricket has urgency. Don't test matches no. go on for three days.
2: Uh, you know, uh, cricket has urgency in the same way that, I don't know, uh, Britney Spears has a good grasp of musical um, oh. Uh, talent. Or maybe she does. Oh, come on. We,
0: we all dance to Hit Me Baby one more time. What
1: did Britney do to you?
0: <laughs> she hit
2: me one more time. <laughs> um, <laughs> But um, the the point is, the thing about baseball is it is not... You don't go to watch the game. You go there for the atmosphere. You go there for the hot dogs. You go there to have a beer with your friends. They were basically saying that neither of you understand the movie. I mean, that's, that's all it is.
0: No, 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 no. Uh, I understood what they were trying to do fundamentally, but they were they were using terms like, oh, he spends more time on base. I, I would have just liked a clarification of those little... <laughs> if, essentially, if you're going to use the mathematics... yes. Give me an understanding of what you're talking about. Otherwise, it is just going over my head. Why are you
2: talking about but it? But every American in the in the world would grow up knowing what all these terms mean. It's like we all understand exactly what an LBW is. And, you know... <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, a, it's a type of sandwich, isn't Absolutely. it? Uh, Absolutely. And,
2: and... and, you know, how we get off to... A, how we get out to a Snodgrass double clipper off the outside. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's my bread and butter. <laughs>
2: So I think this is just cultural imperialism. And to be fair, baseball as a game is fairly dull. But baseball as a pastime is, <laughs> is wonderful. Isn't that
1: why the film was okay, so dull? Because it was just about a dull sport. But what about the atmosphere?
2: What about all the glory of, um, you know, the the the, 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 the history?
0: Um, I've got to say, the, the sort of when we started doing the, the montages and the winnings, you do have that underdog feel of yeah. Did
1: you? I didn't. Oh my god! Do you want to see oh, a okay, montage? Okay. You want to do the <laughs> choir sequence in Sister Act.
0: Yes, true. <laughs> That's a
1: montage. Um, I just...
0: Fair enough, okay. I,
1: I, there was no conflict, really. It was just this, like, Brad Pitt yeah, was they, like...
0: They, 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 They're a terrible team.
2: Well,
1: there was I, an I, entire I... character who's
2: there for... Philip Seymour Hoffman was there just to promote conflict in the film. And can
0: I point out again, Brad Pitt, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Seth Rogen, not Seth Rogan, who was he? Jonah Hill? Jonah Hill, thank you. Big names, big names.
1: names. I mean, it did really well. It got Oscar nominations.
0: What what, what draws actors to mathematics
2: films? Do you think it was maybe actors being drawn to a baseball (laughs) film instead? Here,
1: No, definitely (laughs) mathematics.
2: Do do you think the problem is we're looking at this film as a movie about mathematics with a little bit of baseball and absolutely everyone else (laughs) in the world that isn't listening to this podcast sees baseball as the hero of this film?
0: Well, I mean, the whole it was based on a book called Moneyball, which was written as sort of an economics baseball book, wasn't
1: it? Do you know? I thought this was reflected in the film. Poor old what was his name? Peter Brand. As far as I could see, he did everything.
0: Yes, yes, and Brad Pitt got all the glory. Brad
1: Pitt was offered twelve million dollars a year, and he turns it down.
0: I thought this was very unfair.
1: Presumably. He would have taken Peter Brand with him, who also would have earned loads of money. Um, But he just turns it down without even asking Peter Brand, who obviously really wants him to do it.
2: Now, there's a deleted scene. There's a deleted scene Mm. that I watch where um, Peter Brand gets offered the general manager post. After uh, Brad Pitt gets off, okay, okay. So I
0: think they should have kept that scene because uh, you do want you want you want Jonah
2: Hill to win. I mean, it was already two yeah. hours long, and we were well into the hot dog racing by the time we got to the end of it.
1: <laughs> well, I say two hours long. Um, two hours fifteen. Yeah, two, I've got to say it didn't feel. <gasps> no? Oh my god, it felt like weeks. <laughs> Well, maybe that's
2: because <laughs> Thomas, you were watching it with uh, Mar Woolly, Par Woolly, and your fictional. Well, wife. No, the thing is, Mar Woolly,
0: Mar Woolly did not like it. She had got she was on her uh, tablet playing solitaire by the end yeah. of it. What? I'm um, with Mar
1: Woolly. Honestly, we should hang.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know she will love this. <laughs> she will love that. Anyway, um, Lorraine, what was Lorraine doing? She was next to me. I think Lorraine. No, Lorraine fell asleep. She's fictional. Who cares?
1: <laughs> <laughs> she's not fictional. She's knitted. She's
2: knitted. She's knitted. <laughs> she's knitted. Oh, dear. Do we do we actually have anything else to say about the film? Because nothing much happened. Shall we go
0: to the math zone then? Because there is no there isn't much to the film. It it is as Liz said, uh, an under, underdog story where they use maths to win.
1: I mean, it's not even really an underdog story. It's a sort of middling story about someone who does does pretty well, but not that much better.
0: (laughs) You're so thematic, Ben. You're so thematic.
2: Take me out to the math. Oh, da, 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 da,
1: <laughs> da. <laughs> so, my first question is How did the maths work with which the team was picked?
0: Ben is the statistician on the team. So, I, I will give you my view of it and then Ben can correct me. Here. Okay. What I saw was they used statistics. To put, they they normally do. So they have a thing called a batting average, and every baseball player knows about the batting average. It's simply how many balls you hit when you're batting.
2: Oh, Tom! That, oh, Tom! Yeah, you're you can have you to can correct that. me. Don't worry, you can correct. Me, okay, correct. right.
0: But but the problem with it is it doesn't really help you understand how many runs they're scoring, and it's the number of runs which win a game. This is what they were saying earlier in okay. the okay. So sabermetrics for me, all it seemed to be was finding better measures of player run worth and once you've got that you get a better way of understanding who's a better player therefore you pick them and if they're under well you, you pick them if they're undervalued because your metrics tell you more things about them so it's simply it was a it was a film about finding a better way of measurement and it's just a single measure well no no, no, no there's loads of measures uh, I, I did look into this afterwards into the Sabermetrics, metrics and there's a thing called war which is wins against replacement and then there's slugger percentages and then there's um oh there's lots of different new things i mean in terms of the uh, batting average as i said that's just how many balls you hit but as i say that doesn't tell you if you get to first base or second base or third base or fourth base or a home run or anything like that so they all they had to do was extend that measure to include a bit more of that information to now you've got a better statistic then any
2: any well okay i th- i think uh, i think we're s- just simplifying a little bit uh more than necessary. here um i basically the way i understand what the movie's trying to tell you whether this was true or not is baseball was very much done in a very old school way okay so there was a belief that a good baseball player would do certain things you know he would swing the ball cleanly and he would be able to hit the ball the long distance and uh yeah, yeah. you know uh, there was a belief that uh Uh, You know, for example, if you had a right handed pitcher, that's the person that throws the ball and a uh, left handed batter, then the left handed batter would be better against the right handed pitcher. Baseball statistics have been collected for absolutely ages. So every minute aspect of the game is recorded, you know, for the past you know 50 years at least every ball that has been hit in uh you know at least major league baseball so that you know the top division is recorded so you know we know what's happened we can compile statistics of each uh match of each player of each uh coach you know all this information is available uh But what the movie uh, uh, Moneyball is trying to tell us is that that wasn't actually used correctly. Okay, so we were still doing the old school thing of looking at a player and saying, hey, he looks good to me. Um, And, and, you know, we saw in the movie how Brad Pitt was picked for being a good player because he looked the part and he walked in a certain way. Whereas what's actually more important is how many runs you score at the end of the game. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's not this was a... Jonah Hill' point. It's...
0: It was the, the idea that they're, they're, they're not counting the right thing. They're counting how many times they're hitting the ball rather than how many times they're yeah. winning runs.
2: So the character played by Jonah Hill, um, who in real life was called Bill Jones, oh. uh, came... No, up... it wasn't. Was he not? No, it was Paul Podesta. Was it? Oh, sorry, yeah. yes. I'm just looking at my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Podesta, uh who apparently said that you're OK to use everything I do, but not my name. I, I don't understand that. Um, he, uh, came you, don't up, even, you can't even get my name right, apparently. Came up with this way of maximising the amount of runs you get. Because to win a baseball game, you don't have to look pretty. You don't have to hit it pretty. You don't have to, um, I don't know, you know, hit it a long way. You just have to score more runs than the opposition more times than often. Uh, more times than not. So baseball is a game played over a season. Okay, there's 200 games in a season. So if you can win, I don't know, 110 of them, 120 of them, you're in with the chance of winning the big prize. Okay, you're in with the chance of the postseason, and then you can win the World Series. So all it okay. is is using data in order to maximize your potential return. Okay. Yeah,
0: I mean, and I, the thing is, what I was found strange about the film was they were already doing this to a certain extent. I mean, as you say, Ben, there was, there was this idea of um, what a, a player should look like, what a player should do. So that was just their data set of what they thought. And sure. what Joan Hill was coming along and saying is actually, this is the better data to look at.
2: To, yes, uh, to a certain extent. Um, uh, uh, the, I mean, the, the other thing about baseball is it is or has actually become a game of money. Okay, so people Well, isn't have...
0: every game now game of money? I mean,
2: football, American football... Uh, yes absolutely i mean Snooker. You, uh, well, <laughs> Billions. <laughs> billiards <laughs> <Billions. laughs> yes donald duck taught us that billiards is a game of angles and money but the thing is
0: you never the billiards never finish because you never pot the ball
2: <laughs> as was said um in uh, moneyball uh you know you're not buying players you're buying runs yes. so if you've got a million dollars to spend you want to spend that million dollars on you know the player or the tick or the technique, whatever it is that will get you the most runs, yeah. so it becomes an optimization problem.
1: what's an optimization problem? What are some other examples
2: We're trying to do the best we can
0: okay. well actually there's a, there's a group in Cardiff University that do operations research that's what it's termed here mm-hmm. and essentially all they do is try to optimize various different aspects of problems, so what they work on very closely here is the NHS. Mm -hmm. so how do you optimize queuing time so you have a number of patients who need various operations at various points who how should you order them to get them done quickest you know and so all of these problems come down to the operations research i believe um, this is going back to when i worked at the national uh, the london science museum because they had a bit on operations research it originated in world war ii if i believe because there's an anecdote where they brought um, a mathematician or an economist along to some barracks. And the mathematician and or economist was looking at the mess hall. And what he saw is that the the soldiers were eating their lunch, and then they would go and clean their their tin. And there were two bowls to clean the tin, and only one bowl to dry it. And there was a huge queue behind the wash, uh, the the drying tin, uh, the drying bowl, and no queue at the washing bowl. So what the guy said was, why do you have two washing and one drying? Swap it round. And then the queue disappears. So all you need to do, and that's just an anecdote, and we don't even know if that was real, but it's just that idea of thinking logically about a problem to optimise your resources for the use that you're trying to do.
1: Okay, so can you use maths to work out what team is going to win? in any, like, football season or baseball season or whatever.
2: Uh, (laughs) um, Okay, so, I mean, a lot of this stuff came out of financial maths. Right. Okay, so you can put a price on anything. So this is why uh, Jonah Hill, uh, Jonah Hill's character, describes himself as an economist. Yes. um, Because he's sort of essentially trying to... uh, Buy as many runs for the cheapest price possible. Okay, so this is an operational research problem in economics, and because we're not entirely sure of what the outcome is, we've got some statistics involved as well. And you can think of it in, uh, you know, financial mathematics. Okay, so. People have been doing this in finance for a long, long time. They've been collecting loads of data on companies, you know, so how much money they earn each year, who their chief executive is, uh, what tax rate they pay. They have all the metrics. They feed them into some sophisticated computer algorithm, which says, hey, this one's cheap. Um, And it's exactly the same mathematical principle. Okay, Um, so you're looking for the optimal portfolio, and um so you know you've got a million dollars to spend you have to spend a million dollars on something or you you don't have to how can i spend this to maximize the amount of money i earn or if i've got a baseball team to actually i think you made a good point if i had a
0: million dollars i'd maximize it by not spending
2: it and that might be the best thing to do if you think the stock market's going down um you know so um you know i have a friend who um who works for a uh a hedge fund okay and these are people that invest in sort of very strange uh uh, items.
1: Are they single? Uh,
2: and <laughs> <laughs> uh, not unfortunately, but, uh, you know, I'll pass on your interest. Okay.
1: You, I mean, uh, bear in mind. Uh, Tell them I present a podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, uh,
2: you know, what they do is they look at some sort of really weird, like long-term, uh, time series of what has happened in the past. And it was noticed, for example, that... Uh, every time there's a full moon, the price of orange juice goes up. OK? Right. Really? I, I don't... Yeah. So it was... A, I, I'm not sure it was exactly that, but that was the kind of thing. OK, so so there
0: were, there were two things that seemed correlated.
2: Yeah. So you put huge amounts of data into a computer... OK, you do some you know, relatively easy statistics and you spot these patterns. OK, and these patterns tell you what is undervalued, what is overvalued, whether that's baseball players or orange juice or whatever. So if orange juice is too expensive, uh, you sell it. If it's too cheap, you buy it and you can make money on that. Um, and the beautiful thing about this is you don't have to be right all the time. OK, it's not. You don't have to be right every single time. If you can be right in your model for for enough baseball games that you you know you win sixty percent of the time, then you win. If you can make you know fifty point one percent, if you can win a financial bet fifty point one percent of the time consistently, then you're a genius.
1: So okay? why haven't we got a perfect algorithm yet for like the stock market Good or question. a baseball team? Good I mean, presumably a baseball. Team, like the baseball leagues are just decided now by your algorithm is better than mine.
2: Uh, sure absolutely so most of the or quite a lot of the financial there's two sorts of financial trading one of which is people looking at it and going ah i like the guy who runs marks and spencer i'm going to buy those stocks
1: is he single but the other thing <laughs> is
2: just computers looking mm-hmm. at numbers and trying to buy it the computer can be single for the right price okay <laughs> um and and a lot of these things the computers trading against each other okay um so there's some belief that this is what causes stock market crashes because one computer starts buying, another computer starts buying, another one oh sorry, one computer starts selling, another starts selling, 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 selling. And they just keep on selling till they reach the bottom.
0: But I mean there is there is there is also a problem with the assumptions behind this. So let's talk about modelling for a second. When you model a physical system, you're assuming the physical laws hold. So if we if I look at say gravity, uh-huh. if I throw a ball, I can plot the trajectory of that ball because I believe in the theory of gravity. I think we're all happy that gravity exists. And as Newton described it, it drags everything to the centre of the Earth with a force, uh, an acceleration of 9.81 metres per second squared. Yeah. That's a constitutive law. We've seen that and observed it in the universe and we've expressed it. Now, people have tried to do the same thing with stock markets, but because they're not physical systems, in some sense, I mean, they are, they're they're made up by people, lots of little components, and I suppose this is what Pi was trying to get out because... It's got lots of different components. Well, why should that matter? It should still be predictable. But some people think one of the models behind it is called the black Shoals model. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that model, the black Shoals model, is it really underestimates the outlier data. And so this is, this is an idea of where stock crashes come from, is because they're not predicted as often as they might happen.
2: I think, I think that's a fair point. But I mean, there's two, there's two differences. If you're predicting gravity for use of a space rocket, you better yes. be right. Okay. If, you're, if you're predicting, you know, whether it's going to rain tomorrow or not, then, you know, you probably want to be right, but it doesn't matter too much. If you're making a bet on the stock market or making a bet on a baseball time team, as long as you're right 55% of the time, you're a genius. Okay, Fair enough, fair enough. So, um, you know, and, and uh, that's what we have to do. Why
0: has baseball gained so much notoriety in this? Why? why I, mean, I assume football and American football and Ultimate Frisbee have the same sort of ideas of maximising their player intake for the money they spend. But why is Sabre Metrics, the, you know, the baseball idea of this, gained so much traction? Well, I guess money.
1: Is there more money?
0: I mean, American football
2: has far more money in it than baseball, doesn't it? Yeah, and the same thing happens, I'm absolutely sure.
1: Is it just easier to measure in baseball? Because everybody gets runs. Whereas in a, in football, I suppose, only like two or three people will score goals.
2: Yeah, no, that's a good point. Good point.
1: But the, I mean, this... the but but
2: the the sports statistics market is is hugely it's growing yes, hugely yeah. you know so if we're talking to soccer UK football there are companies and they you know they strap little devices to the legs of um, you know Premier League well, they, players they put them in the shoes don't they so they can yeah. track them around the field and yeah. they see how fast they run and you know that's a metric you can use to see how you know how well they play
0: I mean they also actually um, employ a lot of people to watch these games. And note down the exact minute a goal goes in and how many goals before half time and how many after time. Absolutely.
2: So, there, I mean, there's two reasons to do that. One is sports science so you can address, address problems with the individual player and try to get them to perform better. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess another way is for exactly what happened in Moneyball is to make sure you're buying the right person. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the third thing is for the betting industry and the betting industry in the uk particularly is huge you know billions and billions are traded you know a premier league football match could uh, you know trade hundreds of millions of pounds on a, on a single match um and uh you know it's uh, uh well pay for all that taxes for example so it's keeping this country afloat <laughs> yes
1: if i had 10 million pounds
0: you wouldn't be doing this podcast if
1: i had 800 million pounds
2: 800 million should yes.
1: i try and Buy a football team, person by person, or should I try and (laughs) bet on football matches?
0: Are you using these footballers for football purposes?
1: I am, because I'm already dating the head of Marks and Spencers, so it's fine.
2: Right, right. Are you? Okay, right.
1: All betting
2: is about information. All of life is about information, okay? And the bookies will set you some odds, okay? So the bookies will say, I think there's a 50% chance that Manchester United will win. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So they have some information which allows them to offer that those odds. If I can produce some statistics, you know, look at the last 100 matches, analyze some videos, and I find that there's a 51% chance that Manchester United will win, then I I bet on them. Okay, the odds are in my favor. Okay, so I'm using my information, which is different from the bookies' information, um, and, and knowledge is power, knowledge is profit. Okay, And that's all we have to do. That's all financial mathematicians do. That's all professional gamblers do. Uh, And we're away.
0: And I I suppose to come back to the the point Liz was making, you know, why don't we have the perfect measure is because everyone is trying to build their own measure. And, you know, no, there will, there won't be one perfect measure. You know, one measure will tell me how, how this one does better at uh, hitting the ball. This one will tell me how, how he runs better. This one will tell me how he catches the ball. And so everyone's trying to create these different measures and hope that their measure wins out over another measure that little bit more. Absolutely,
2: and we we you know you and I might have two beliefs about how to run a baseball team, and the yeah. only way we can test it is to you know both set up our own baseball team and then we play.
1: Let's do that um,
2: the, next podcast. Uh, there's, a, <laughs> <laughs> there's a well, you know, fantasy football works, fantasy baseball works, so you can play along with this. You can do it for free. Uh, I'm sure there's yeah. many good websites. This was my it.
1: kind of my next question. If you made a perfect algorithm, couldn't you just sort of plug it all into a computer? And nobody actually has to play any matches.
0: Yes. Well, isn't that what FIFA Manager does? You know, like yes. these 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 man- football management games where they have an algorithm in the background. Where I I don't know how clever they are, but there was a, um when, when I was looking up uh, around this information, the sabermetrics, I saw a, a talk by Andy Andres, who gave a talk at Google. And at the end, he was giving giving a talk about all these statistics. And at the end, someone came up and said, "Do um, video game makers use your information? You know, to make sure you know this player he hits the ball fifty one percent of the time to the left, and you know, forty nine percent of the time to the right. Do, do the game makers do that? And I'd, I'd be interested to see if video game makers behind these FIFA managers actually." Use betting statistics to make their games,
1: or use their game realistic. statistics to do betting.
0: Yeah, well, probably they do. <laughs> the
1: uh, do you know
2: the biggest? Um, you know the biggest growing sport uh, uh, in terms of worldwide? money? For biggest
0: uh, uh, now? I would have thought. I would have thought American football. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, biggest oh, oh, biggest are,
2: you, are you counting esports? Esports, okay. And this is exactly what's happening now. You are getting cars, in particular, that are driving around tracks without any drivers. It's just computers driving cars. That's called Scalextric. Yes, they're playing Scalextrics on a large scale. How cool is that? Okay? And there's no humans involved except in programming the code. For me, the one, okay? It doesn't matter who drives it particularly, okay? Whoever wins has the best car. (laughs) All of these people are just people doing data science in buildings, in Oxfordshire somewhere.
1: But do you know what really freaks me out? Uh, Billions. (laughs) I mean, billions are (laughs) fucked up. But anyway. Yes, they are. so what really freaks me out actually is electoral maths, and I kind of yes. think eventually are they going to get a perfect algorithm for projecting the outcome of elections, and are they just going to stop yes. having elections and just be like, well, we've worked out the proportions, off you go. Um, okay, I've got have got a new maths question.
2: Oh, good. Yes, let's give you a build up. I think you should.
1: <laughs> so, this film. Was very boring. Um, And so, during the film, I got to looking at Brad Pitt and considering, pondering, if you will, his great beauty. And I was trying to work out why I, and kind of basically everyone else, thinks he is so beautiful.
0: I am. I am very attracted (laughs) to him.
1: And I wondered whether maths could tell us whether someone was beautiful.
0: Humans love symmetry. And... Brad Pitt has an exceptionally symmetric face. People have done this; they've, they've mirrored one half of his face onto another, and and it's it's pretty much exact.
2: There is a whole branch of mathematics which I hope to do a special podcast on at some point called machine learning. Mm-hmm. And basically, what you what you what you do? So you're saying Brad Pitt's a machine, <laughs> and he's learning how to be. But YouTube. you show a computer a load of pictures, uh, you know, some of which are, you know Brad Pitt and Ben Parker, you know, really attractive people. <laughs> And some of which, you know, might be—I don't know—Jonah Hill and Tom Woolley, who are not, you know, as conventionally as attractive. And it's not oh, Jonah born. Hill. That's just the way they were born.
0: Also, who amongst us here is married? Well, well none of us. None of us, Tom,
2: <laughs> to somebody fictional. Yes <laughs> At least. anyway, um, but um, you, could, you get a p- bunch of attractive people and you get a bunch of unattractive people, and you tell the computer these are attractive and these are unattractive, and the computer will then you know split off these people into uh, if you give it a new person, it will be able to tell you whether uh, this person is categorized into the attractive or the unattractive. Uh,
0: interestingly it, it's innate it's it, Is it it's innate in humans because there was a, a documentary a little while back it was hosted by john cleese and elizabeth hurley and it was all about the science of beauty
2: yes
0: and so they covered things about symmetry and and one of the things they did try to cover was the idea of the golden ratio uh, portion in bodies
1: Ah,
2: the golden ratio beautiful
1: triangles. no beautiful rectangles.
0: <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful rectangles. Beautiful rectangles. But one thing they did do, which I've always remembered, is they got a bunch of kids in a circle and made them fight. <laughs> 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 no, no, they put these kids in the middle of a circle and they and they put um, photos of, um, of people around the edge. Some of them beautiful, some John Cleese making faces, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, Liz Hurley was on there, um, and the babies tended to move towards the baby. And, and of course, this is just one data point, but they were reproducing a scientific experiment that has been done properly and done statistically, checked and everything. They did it three times to make sure it worked. That's how statistics is done. Um, and and it, the babies did head towards the more beautiful pictures.
1: So that just tells us that okay. beauty is a thing.
0: Well, beauty is intrinsic in humans. We have a an aesthetic appeal.
1: But my question is, can you... Do it, not by numbers.
0: Extend it. Is there anything you can't measure? Because this was a question in this movie, and a lot, of, I'd, I'd say, I was looking into the Saber metrics, oh. and there was a lot of people who don't like it. They were saying, you can't measure people on the field. You can't measure success. It's all about gut instinct. When someone's facing that ball coming to them, it's either hit or don't hit. It's got nothing to do with numbers. And so.
2: Baseball isn't just numbers, it's not science, was the quote. Is Is there anything
0: that you can't measure an effect of, if there is an effect. Talent, beauty,
2: baseball. So, I mean, the original question was, can we get a computer to do it? Well, that's fine, as long as a human can do it. Okay, so if a human... If you could define what a win criteria is. So we define, you know, scoring more well, runs oh, than the other team. I think you said earlier, a human
0: doesn't need to know. Um, does does a human... Because if you feed enough information at the computer, and you say, find me correlations... The human doesn't have to know the correlations to begin
2: with. Sure. But, like, you need to define what a win criteria is. So you need to, you know, if you're defining beauty and not beautiful, you need to define which of those things are beautiful. You know, if you're defining... uh okay. You know, profit and not profit. You need to tell a computer what a profit is. So, yeah, I think we could do it as long as a human can point to things that it thinks satisfies that criteria. And we, you know, this is we might disagree. We're back to information again. So, you know, you and I might disagree on what we call beautiful. And we might try and teach a computer to you know pick out beautiful people to shoot in our modelling agency. So we might get different ideas and we might pick (laughs) up different models. But, um, you know, we can do it. Why not? There's a danger. I, I mean, there's a real danger um, uh, with uh, you know computers and big data. There is a state in the United States now that when you are sentenced for a crime, uh, will look at your background and will say, OK, well, you know, this is the, the income of your parents. This is how many brothers and sisters you have. This is where... Oh, they're going to minority report it. Uh, yeah. So that you put in all the data about the person that's done a crime and the computer will then sentence you to how long you should spend in jail, or wow. whether you should get parole or not, so this example with the sentencing is 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 real problematic because when people look into the sentencing, it found surprise surprise that people from you know certain racial groups were sentenced more harshly than people from other racial groups, okay mm. um, which of course is discriminatory, but the problem is that you know for example, let's say you know people from a Chinese background are poorer then it's going to pick up people from a particular background as opposed to people from another background. And, you know, is it a fault of the algorithm? Well, no, it's not, you know. Um, this is an interesting point. I was listening
0: to Radio 4 and there was a woman on talking about... Oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I find it very interesting. There was a woman on talking about AI. Yes. And it was exactly this point because she was saying, you know, an AI should be treated like a like a dog or a pet. You know, if your dog bites a child... It's not the child's fault, it's the dog's fault, and it's your fault for owning yes. that
2: that that dog. so as the owner of the AI, you should better be better coding it but so it doesn't matter in baseball if you buy the wrong player in baseball, if your computer says, "Let's buy this player and you get it wrong, then you know you might lose a few you know dollars, but you know if you're sentencing someone to two months longer than somebody else because of the color of their skin, then many people would argue that this is a very um wrong thing to do. But this is what I'm saying.
0: Who do you blame? Do you blame the algorithm or do you blame the person who coded it?
2: Well, we're going to get into this trouble with, um, you know, with uh, uh, driven cars, aren't we? Computer driven cars. You know, when the f- This was another point that was on the Radio 4 program. They gave the example.
0: Are these cars programmed to choose who to hit? Yes. Because in the example, you know, let's say you're, going, you're on Black Ice, you're going to crash. Okay, there's there's no no amount of anti-brake, lock, steering, whatever can stop you. Now, you have a choice, though. You can carry on and hit the old lady in front of you, or you can steer and hit the small child. Are these algorithms encoded to know the difference and make that choice? Now, the the get-out clause that the person who was being interviewed gave, which I think really was a cop-out, was, I don't have to make that decision to pass my driving test, so why should my algorithm...
1: Yeah, but you'd Ooh. make the decision at the time, wouldn't you?
0: This is it. So, so Liz, what would you do? Would you would you kill the old woman or the child?
1: Ooh. I'm trying to think of a situation where I don't kill either of them. Uh, hang on, are we allowed to hit both? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Ben. Yes, you can.
2: <laughs> Sorry, Liz. You were going to give a sense word, sir.
1: No, I I I was. Well, nothing's impossible, right? Well, I, don't oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to kill
0: anyone. The, the philosophical question is called the trolley problem. A trolley car is coming down a track, and um, it's going to hit five people. Or you could pull a switch, and it will uh, go off on a different track to kill one person. Do you pull the switch?
1: I think we're we're beyond popular maths now.
0: <laughs> oh well, no. This is, this is philosophy. This is philosophy, which is the fundamental.
2: Two two questions. One. One. Why am I why am I on a trolley car? Yep. Yeah. And two. What's a trolley car?
0: Uh, oh, sorry. Yes, this is an American version of the problem. It's um, a tram.
2: Ah, right. But well, why about a tram? according recording this near
0: Halloween. So you are Jigsaw. Hello, oh, you want to no. play a game? I'm a Jigsaw. In front of you, there are five people on the track. You have to pull the switch <laughs> and put it along the other track, but it will kill the other person. <laughs> the choice is yours. What just happened? What? What happened to <laughs> Tom? Have you never seen Jigsaw uh, or Saw?
2: No, I've no, I've no idea what you're talking about. You, you just, you, you just part of reasonably dark voice. Do you know what he's talking about? This? I'm
1: aware of them, but I'm afraid they they fall foul of my movie rule that I don't like watching people suffer. That,
0: that, that, there is a lot of suffering in the Saw films. But anyway, I want, I want your answers. I want your answers. So you, this is the the trolley problem. It's coming along, it's going to kill four people on the track, or you can pull the switch and it kills one. What do you do? Well, you pull the switch. Liz?
1: I don't like this question. Okay.
2: <laughs> okay,
0: so then, <laughs> Ben, explain. Why Why would you pull the switch? Because you would only kill one versus the four.
2: Well, actually, I know what I'd do. Okay. I'd reprogram the tronicot. No time, no time. Because that's what, that's what Captain Kirk did in Star Trek. This is the Kobayashi Maru <laughs> um, problem. <laughs>
1: I'd go for the um, chitty chitty bang bang ending, push a button, <laughs> fly off, and then Dick Van Dyke would be there. And that's also the ending to Greece,
0: isn't it? Except without okay. with the lack of Dick Van
1: Dyke. I mean, it's, it's not really the same without Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. Are you comparing John Travolta to Dick Van Dyke? They are in different leagues, man.
0: In the reboot of Mary Poppins, I think they should get John Travolta to play Dick Van Dyke's role. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, what are we talking about? Right, Ben. No, wait, Ben. You said you would kill only one person. Yes. Okay. Now, that's that's an answer. There is also the other answer of, by pulling the switch, you are entering into the system. By not pulling the switch, you're saying, I am outside of it. It's doing what it's doing. I am not part of this. You know. So you can have sort of a moral, oh. clear slate, if you like. But by pulling it...
1: I mean, also, you're lacking information. I mean, the five people on the track...
2: Ooh. May
1: all be hours from death, anyway.
2: <laughs> yep. Hello, Liz.
1: Oh, Do you want like to play yet. a
0: game? All of these people <laughs> are seventeen-year-olds
1: in the prime of their life. <laughs> <Stop>. They've <laughs> just come what? from Why their you prom. What's like to <laughs> Okay, let's go
0: on to a different maths what? question, so we can save Liz's sanity.
1: Well, I'm sort of out.
0: So, if we have no more maths questions. Let us go to the, puzzle, the puzzle, zone. puzzle zone. So, two weeks ago, I set the puzzle about crossing a river. Now, let's let's start off with fox, chicken, grain, shall we? So, Liz, have you heard of the fox, chicken, grain? I have. Excellent. <laughs> the fox, chicken, grain, and
2: baseball.
0: <laughs> Am I going to be able to get through this without ha- that happening every five minutes, Ben?
2: <laughs> try again
0: okay so fox
2: chicken and grain Straight the three. farmer you're out strike <laughs> three you're out <laughs> sorry uh, <laughs> go on fox the fox the chicken And the brain
0: the, the farmer wants to cross the river he wants why to take are you crossing my
2: trap line
0: that's not how jigsaw talk. Anyway, he wants to cross the river. God knows why he wants to take a fox with him, but he wants to take the fox, the chicken, and the grain across the river. But the fox will eat the chicken, the chicken will eat the grain. So, And the boat can only hold the farmer and one of these things.
1: I mean, chickens and, aren't very big.
0: Uh, it's, a, it's a very big chicken, or a very small fox. <laughs> it's a baby fox. <laughs> can it swim? No, no, it's a very fast-moving river. No, no, uh, it's a very deep, fast-moving river, so he needs a boat.
1: Why is that man? It could be a woman or someone that didn't want to define.
0: No, right, the, the genderless person, monster across the river.
1: No, no, we've been through this.
0: <laughs> how how would you get? How would you get them all across the river? Well, I get a bigger boat. can I point out? I I haven't mentioned the genders of the fox, the chicken, or the grain. Well, you have the chickens of woman. Oh, yeah, that would be a cockerel otherwise. (laughs) I forgot. Yeah, no, a cockerel would be a male. Yeah. So, okay, the fox has... Oh, that would be a vixen. Oh, okay. right. Okay, the grain grain hasn't been gendered. (laughs) How do you get them all across the river, Liz?
1: You do man and chicken first yep then he goes back yep and then he takes the box and brings the chicken back yep then he brings the corn yep and comes back yep and then he brings the chicken
0: Perfect answer, perfect answer. What's really neat about that is most people just go through it in their mind and say, okay, this all makes sense because you can't leave the fox and the chicken, so one of those has to go. Um, but what's really neat about it is you have three possibilities. You know, The fox, the chicken, and the grain can either be on the left side of the bank or the right side. And so what you can do is draw all this on a graph of a cube. So the cube has three axes, Ooh. left, right, forward, backwards, up, down. And so each one of those axes... Relates to where the fox, the chicken, and the grain is either on the left bank and the right bank. And so, once you take out all the edges of the square that are the cube that can't happen, so when the chicken and the grain are together, or the fox and the chicken, you're left with a clear route around this cube. I'll post it on the Maths website because I've I've always really loved seeing the solution of that problem in that way. Wow. Yeah, it's a really nice way of seeing it. Although it's not really extendable because as soon as you have a fourth thing, you can't have a four dimensional. Well visualize a four dimensional cube that easy. But my question was, I have a couple of people, and there are two children. The two children have a boat, and this boat can contain can carry one child, two children, or one adult. And the adults want to cross the river. How do you do it?
1: And I'm Googling
2: <laughs> do sorry. Do the children have to be alive?
0: Well, to be honest, there are a number of solutions where you could do this because there is a mean way where you don't bring the boat the boat back to the children. You get yes. the adults across, and then the, the the adults don't take the boat back, which I think is quite mean. So you could do that.
1: Um, can I just say that i I have all, I have googled it. Yes. Um, I googled couple children problem. <laughs> what did you find? <laughs> <it> was... <laughs> Have children? Here's how kids ruin your romantic relationship. <laughs>
0: oh, dear. Well, hold on, hold on. Is your boyfriend going to see your search history?
1: Hang on,
2: hang on. Should we not just ask Mar Willie whether this is true or not? I mean, she's in the next room. <laughs> so, why, why, why don't we ask Tom's mum what her I romantic mean, relationship is like? Relationship
1: that. advice with Mar Willie is a podcast a Podcast I would listen to. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, uh, you know, my dad said um, he listened to our first few podcasts and he really liked them. He didn't understand a lot of the maths, but he thought we three had good chemistry.
1: Excellent, uh, excellent.
2: Uh, well, I don't know what he meant. What What are you suggesting, Ben? <laughs> oh dear! um well, I'm suggesting we go in a boat with two children. great. they
1: will ruin our romantic relationship. <laughs>
2: Well, it could be like a little pedal, though. Um, I have the answer. I've been thinking about the answer.
0: Excellent. okay, just to answer this question.
2: The only way possible is two children row the boat across. Yep. And one gets out. Yep. One child rows the boat back. Yep. And then gets out. Yep. And the parent goes across. Yep. Uh, and there's now a child on either side. And one yep. child goes back with the boat and then picks up the original child. And then you are the cross.
0: Yeah. I mean, to be honest, you could just do it with one adult and keep iterating this process. Because you say, two children go across, they leave one there, one child comes back. They take an adult across, and the other child comes back. So you're right back to the beginning. And so no matter how many adults are on the left bank, you can get them all across the right bank by doing this. Two across, one back, send one adult over, send the other child back. And you just keep iterating that around and around and around.
2: Not a difficult problem. This is how Eurostar run the replacement bus service, isn't it?
0: I, I believe, yes, it's one in, one out, yes. <laughs> I,
2: so. Good, Ben, do you have a question? Oh, I do. I do. And I'd really encourage uh, readers to, uh, 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 readers? Listeners. (laughs) I really encourage listeners to submit their answer.
0: Actually, since we do post the question on the website as well, you know, you can be a reader, you can be
2: a reader. You can read it. So they could go onto our website, which is uh, mathsat.co.uk, and post the answer to the question.
0: The Twitter is podcastmathsat.co.uk. And our Gmail is podcastmaths at gmail.com. So if you know the answer to any of these questions, or you just want to say hello to my mother or my wife or Liz or Ben or any of the other Woolies in my house, please do email or tweet at us. Ben,
1: did you notice we just got included as Woolies? Yes. Um...
2: (laughs) 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 We're Woolies in law. That's lovely. (laughs) Um... So, yes, I have, a, I have a problem, OK? And this is the question of probability. OK. okay. okay. Liz, at some yeah. point you are going to leave this highly specified recording studio in which we are all in. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> when you leave, what are the chances that the first person you see when coming out of the door has an above average number of ears? What are the chances that the first person you see when leaving the room has an above average number of ears mm. And I'm gonna give you a multiple choice answer. okay it, is it zero? Is it nearly zero? Is it a half? Is it nearly one? Is it one or is it pi <laughs> Um. I'm
1: telling you guys, pie is following me around. It's behind you! It's behind you!
2: Uh. Hey Liz, do you want to play a game?
0: I've got some pie for you.
2: (laughs) Stop doing the voice. (laughs) Okay. Oh, I didn't do my rant. I didn't do my rant. I said the whole point we doing Moneyball was your rant, so... The rant is, okay, who is the hero of Moneyball?
1: Oh, I totally agree. Carry on.
2: Who's the hero?
1: Brad Pitt, but not really. No, no, but
2: who's the real real hero? Jonah Hill is the hero, or more more precisely, Maths is the hero. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) But who is the character in this movie that represents Maths?
1: Jonah Hill.
2: Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill's character, yeah? Yeah. Okay. So, we have two choices for the casting director. We have the baseball guy who's, you know, a bit of a nerd, okay, has a slightly annoying daughter that, okay, can play the guitar quite nicely yeah yeah guitar that's the thing she's playing she can sing quite nicely okay but really he's a bit useless okay few people skills <laughs> not much skills we have Jonah Hill who at the age of 25 26 okay despite having uh, gone to Yale and done economics instead of the one true mathematical science statistics um, you know, is, is fairly good at you know working out you know he, he's, he's saved the team 80 million dollars okay he's, he's managed to get them to the uh, you know divisional game or wherever they get to that season. Who's the hero of this piece? Jonah Hill. You could cast anyone. You could have cast them the other way round. Dick Randall. John, uh, John Walter. <laughs> But why is it, OK, that Brad Pitt is playing the sportsman and the real hero of the piece is played by a slightly fat guy in glasses, OK? <laughs> why, can't, why can't statisticians be played by Brad Pitt, OK? The only way to encourage is to remind everyone, OK, remind all their listeners that statisticians and some mathematicians are incredibly sexy. They look like Brad Pitt. They're not slightly fat with glasses.
0: Well, well... Statistically speaking, in this podcast. (laughs) We should should wrap up and give the scores. How about we do that?
1: Okay. On
2: to the score zone. So, Liz.
0: (laughs) Walked into it. This is why the film was two hours long.
1: This is why this podcast is going to be two hours long. Yes. <laughs> right. oh, okay. oh God!
0: Every time you think he's stopped, he goes back. It right? Are we good? Liz, um, what did you think of the film? And what, are you, no, so, what are you marking? What are you no, marking no. it so, out?
2: Sorry, sorry. sorry.
1: <laughs> this week, this I am wreck. going to mark. I hadn't thought of this. <laughs> I mean, the listeners can't see Ben's face. He is he's so, so happy. Now.
0: He is so so happy. <laughs> but Joyce, be I bet you. I bet you tonight. He's going to be taking that into the bedroom.
1: <laughs> anyway, I am going to Mark this week out of nearly one. Nearly one. Excellent. Um, And I really dislike the film.
2: Oh! Um,
1: Now, I don't like to kick a man when he's down.
2: Oh. But this
1: film was incredibly well-reviewed. They made loads of money. Everyone in it's very successful. So I think they can handle being slagged off by... They're kind of podcast nobody. I didn't like it. It was boring. Yeah. It yeah. was too slow. It was too long. It spelled out there's a weird backstory that they could have done a lot more subtly. Yeah. Um, and it, it was kind of broadly unsatisfying. The, it came to a <sighs> conclusion after about an hour and a quarter and then you just sort of hung around <laughs> for an hour. <laughs> So I'm going to score it nearly zero.
2: Oh! Ben, what do you think? Well, uh, I'm going to mark uh, this movie out of uh, uh, all four bases. <laughs> all four bases? Um, actually, let me give myself a little excitement music. Um, so... Um, I genuinely enjoyed the movie. Um, I I liked it the first time I watched it. I liked it the second time I watched it. But, you know, maybe this is due to my broad-mindedness in in really appreciating American culture, particularly hot dogs, KFC, and baseball, which is a marvellous pastime, though. Not quite a sport. Um, So in terms of... I agree, it was a little bit long. It went on for a couple of innings too long. But I'm going to give it a solid third base out Excellent. of four Excellent. Um, the mathematics uh, were disappointing and for the reason that I put out that uh, the hero of the piece should have been played by Brad Pitt uh, because you know all sexy mathematicians should be played by sexy people and there wasn't enough of it okay we saw some brief montages of sort of computers and spreadsheets whizzing past. I would rather have seen Ben you picked this You picked it. Uh, Yeah, but I enjoyed the movie. Okay, I just didn't like the maps as much as I could have done. It was solid, but there was just not enough of it. Okay. Okay. So I am going to give it uh, a mark of uh, gunned out, stealing second base.
0: Okay. So it comes to me. Um, It grew on me. The film grew on me. Uh, And to be honest, I I think Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill could just read the telephone directory and make it interesting (laughs) (laughs) at the beginning it was just a lot of dick swinging i keep using this phrase because it was so i'm going to score it out of 30 degrees which is the angle of swing
2: (laughs) angle the dangle the
0: angle of of dangle of uh, the Mull of kintyre yes um so uh, it grew on me I, i i won't watch it again but the the charisma of the main actors do bring you through, and i for me, it just I needed just that little i don't want the full explanation of baseball, but just those little bit more could have got me further so fifteen degrees fifteen degrees oh okay, and not bad the, for the maths uh, uh, as Ben says, yeah, I mean it why did we watch this movie, Ben? <laughs>
2: Oh, because it's statistics and statistics is the path to the truth and the light. And in the future. Five
0: degrees. Five degrees for the mathematics.
1: Oh, so I didn't mark the mathematics. Okay. What, what do you think? Um, but I'm going to take the opportunity to slag it off a bit more. <laughs> I mean, it didn't just fail the Beth test. Oh, it failed it brilliantly, it, it, didn't it? It totally flunked it.
0: Oh, my God. I, I, I didn't think there was going to be a pair of women in the whole thing.
1: I mean, it was just women were just utterly irrelevant. And in some ways, at least they weren't kind of just like trophies, you know, although the daughter was a bit, to be honest. Anyway, putting it out there. Yeah. I'm also going to give the maths nearly zero because I learned very little and I now love learning maths.
0: Okay, so next week, uh, well, in two weeks' time, I should say, the film I'm going to present to the board of Mathsat is Flatland.
2: Oh, there's a film. It's,
0: it's a cartoon film with Martin Ooh. Sheen playing the circle.
2: Wow, I have the book, Ooh. but I didn't. I've, I've it never read the book,
0: so this will be. I, I sort of know it, It's on the periphery of my knowledge, and so I want to. I would love to see it. It's, a, it's an animated film. It's thirty minutes long, a bit like Donald Duck. God for that. Something to clear the palette.
2: Clear the panic. Okay. Well, um, I think we should just uh, remind readers, readers, <laughs> this is where to find us. You can find us on the web at mathsat.co.uk. Find us on Facebook by searching for mathsat. Uh, Twitter is uh, podcastmathsat, and you can email us at at. Gmail.com
0: And with that is there anything else to add? No. Nope.
2: I enjoyed it. Let's do it again.
0: Excellent. So from me, Thomas Woolley, goodbye.
2: From me, Ben Parker,
1: goodbye. And from me, Liz, goodbye. We have been maths
0: at winning at maths, losing at life. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>
2: oh.
0: <laughs> See, this, is, this could be really creepy for Halloween. Hey, do you want to play a game?
2: <laughs> oh, dear. Wow. Well, that was fun. This podcast is a Random Walks
0: production performed by Thomas Woolley, Ben Parker, and the enigmatic Liz. Intro and outro music was Clonky Donkey by Nikolai Heidlas, and the incidental stings were Cartoon Bank Heist from YouTube Audio Library.